Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. You have survived it. You made it through the weekend. Congratulations. It is Monday. You get to get back at it. And you know what? And just imagine what all you will accomplish this week for the glory of God. It's going to be a great week. We have a great show lined up for you today. In fact, uh, there's some uh, interesting stories in the news. I mean, almost, uh, what is it, like 15 plus thousand Haitians living under a bridge in Del Rio? Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Uh, Bishop Pop Rocky's going to be joining us on the program today. We're going to be discussing Traditionis Custodis and interpreting the Vatican and their wishes. Uh, we we had we tried to get him on a few weeks back, and uh, we have rescheduled for today. So we're looking forward to speaking to Bishop Pop Rocky from Illinois at thirty five past the hour. But there was a very interesting story that came out over the weekend about uh, using vaccinations as a requirement to go to Holy Mass, apparently, or at least Mass indoors in a in a particular part of Canada, but it's happening elsewhere, too. Kind of something we've talked about a number of times on the program. But today, well, I'll share with a story with you about a bishop in Canada who has mandated double vaccinations in order to attend Holy Mass in his diocese. We'll be talking about that at 15 past the hour. So going to be a jam-packed show, lots to cover. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of it. And the good news is we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. So this week we will have a second hour for those of you that are able uh, to join us for our second hour. You can listen online. You can Hang out with us right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Or if you're listening across the Guadalupe Radio Network, you can listen on your local GRN radio station. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we will have uh, an after show. It'll be somewhat abbreviated today because uh, Mondays are always a little shorter than normal. But nonetheless, we're going to have a great show. It's going to be fun. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning to you, Joe. Nice haircut. Praise be to God. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I always uh, I give myself my own haircut, by the way. Fascinating fact. Oh, interesting. That's awesome. Who wants to wait in line and pay? (laughs) Well, my mom's a hairstylist. So as soon as I see a fresh haircut, (laughs) I can spot it from a distance. I can finally wear my hat again. Praise God. (laughs) Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. And good morning, good morning. I was thinking you were wearing the hat because you're trying to be more like a certain uh, mm-hmm. YouTuber. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which, which, which? Uh, Tim which? Pool. Tim Pool. Uh, with his beanie. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to mimic Adrian with his hat. Oh, right. too. Yeah. Well, I'd have to He's, go full on yeah, Irish. Wear, wearing hat is my that. thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, praise be to God. I survived the weekend. And uh, over the weekend, you know, Sunday, yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of La Salette. Yes. So, you know, reminding us to uh, not work on Sundays, avoid, mm-hmm. serve our work on Sundays, yep. and uh, stop using our Lord's name in vain. Yeah. Uh, praise uh, be and to God. this week is Ember Days. So oh, cool. yes. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm glad, th- I'm glad you. Brought that up. Uh, Janice, do you celebrate the Ember Days? Uh, I'm not too familiar with what Ember Days are. Days yeah. of of uh, penance. Days of abstinence and fasting. Uh, so it's like uh, mini Lent. And it, how how often he, during the year does Ember Days come up, Adrian? Yeah, so literally they're called, they're called in Latin the Quatora Tempora, which is the four seasons. So it's yeah. four times a year yeah. at the different change of the season. So spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Yeah, fa- my priest, Father Rock, or he's a parochial vicar at our parish, he gave a great homily yesterday on the Ember Days and why we as... Catholics have celebrated them in our tradition, our patrimony, and why we ought to. It's not obligated, but why it's a great idea for us to continue to live that um, that part of our tradition. So the Ember Days start Wednesday, and it's what, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday? 
Uh, it is. I think that's correct. Um, I have to double check that, but yes, yeah. let's just say that for now. All right. Well, <laughs> praise be to God. Got to go fishing over the weekend. Uh, was shooting my bow with my sons over the weekend, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, archery opener comes up October first weekend in October, so we're kind of looking forward to that. And and uh, anyway, what'd you guys do? Anything fun over the weekend? That's a great question. What did I do over the weekend? I was. Uh, let's see. Friday, I went to. Oh. I went to a lecture on the traditional mass at the University of St. Thomas. Father Rebart, right? Uh, oh, how Dr. Was that? Dr. Rebart. I call him Father <laughs> Rebart all, all the time. It's so weird. <laughs> he is I don't not know a priest, why. And he he's not a priest. He's not married with children either. <laughs> yeah, so he's not. not <laughs> so I couldn't have gotten that far off. I do that all the time. I don't know what it is. He just has that like fatherly quality to him that I, I call him Father Rebart so many times. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> How, yeah, that's how, old, great. how old is he? Uh, he's probably in his 60s, somewhere oh, around okay. there. Not sure exactly. But he gave a great uh, a lecture on the traditional mass. Uh, there was a great turnout. There was like uh, nearly 30 kids, uh, students that showed up. So that was great. Wonderful. Praise be that's to God. That's awesome. Praise, Praise be God. to God. All right. Well, we are going to jump into it. Janice, did you do anything fun over the weekend? Uh, just with family. Yeah. Uh, we always, my mom's always like doing a cookout. My mom is a big uh, chef. Um, mm. So she'll like Yummy. cook a whole gourmet meal for the entire family on I didn't Sundays. Get the text message. I, yeah. I, I got to go back and check. I'm sure you sent it. Oh, yeah. She, I made yeah. steak. She as could, well. you she could have her own restaurant if she could. <laughs> <laughs> I, dear audience, if you guys could make steak and then not invite me, that would be awesome. It'd be mm-hmm. really awesome. I'm already on it. <laughs> You're already, all right. We got to mm-hmm. jump into it. Got a great show lined up for you today. So please uh, join us for as much as you can and tell a friend. That would be amazing. But let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic Vote, the U.S. bishops denounced the Biden administration for attempting to massively fund abortions with taxpayer dollars through the Build Back Better Act. The Democrats proposed a $3.5 reconciliation trillion dollar bill. The text of the bill funds abortions and the deliberate destruction of our most vulnerable brothers and sisters, those in the womb, wrote Archbishop Joseph Newman. Quote, Congress can and must turn back with with from including taxpayer funding of abortion in the Build Back Better Act, end quote. Also from Catholic Vote, after a widespread criticism, the Federal Aviation Administration has announced that it will now allow Fox News to fly a drone in the airspace above the Del Rio International Bridge in Texas. Fox News has used the drones for months without issues, but the Biden administration grounded all drones shortly after pictures of thousands of illegal immigrants who have camped under the bridge, which have circulated widely on social media. Also from Catholic Vote, the Biden administration is considering a new policy to house inmates 
in federal prisons based on their self-identified genders rather than their biological sex. For example, Emily Claire Hare, born born Michael Hare, a male, recently asked a judge to recognize his new gender identity legally. Hare has been sentenced to 53 years in prison for bombing a Minnesota mosque in 2017 and wants to be placed in a female prison instead of a male prison. From Catholic Vote, Californians for School Choice are building a movement to put taxpayer education dollars directly into the hands of students and their families, allowing them the freedom to put the money towards schooling or homeschooling of their choice. Californians for School Choice believe that state funding from K-12 education should follow the student and not the school district. Under under the pressure from parents, a school board in Rockland County, New York, has pushed out school superintendent Marks Cox for pushing critical race theory-based curriculum. According to sources, parents branded together banded together and pressured the board to fire him education reformer christopher rufo stated quote this is not cancel culture white backlash or any other dishonest framing from media blob it's simply the heart of democracy average citizens asserting their authority as voters taxpayers and parents in demanding that the public institutions reflect the values of the public end quote from Catholic Vote, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a legislation that critics will say will have said will effectively turn suburbs into big cities by forming towns to allow lots to be subdivided so that lawns are as small as four feet. The New York Times reporter that the has said that the legislation was furiously opposed by homeowners and local government groups who said it crushes single-family zoning and would be the beginning and the end of home ownership in California. Unfortunately, Joe Biden's campaign housing plan wants to enact similar legislation into the federal U.S. law. And lastly, from Blaze News, the Del Rio Mayor Bruno Lazo, a Democrat, took aim at President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris over their muted, muted response to the migrant crisis happening in the small border town. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Monday. The saint of the day is St. Paul Chong Hassong. He was born in 1795 in Korea, son of Yak. Jong Church, who was martyred in 1801 in the persecution of Xing Yu, an attack on the faithful that killed the, all the clergy in the country. Let me repeat that, all the clergy in the country. He was the son of Saint Yu Cecilia and brother of Saint Zhang Hai. Paul, though a layman, reunited the scattered Christians and encouraged them to keep their faith and live their faith. He wrote the Sangji Sang Su, which explained to the Korean government why the church was no threat to them. He crossed into China nine times and worked as a servant to the Korean diplomatic corps. There he worked to get the Bishop of Beijing to send more priests to Korea. He pleaded directly to Rome for help. Seems familiar. And on the 9th of September, 1831, Pope Gregory X proclaimed the validity of the Korean Catholic diocese. When the clergy began to return, Paul entered the seminary. 
However, he died in the Jihai persecution of 1839 before he could be ordained. He was one of the great founders of the Catholic Church in Korea. He was martyred on the 22nd of September 1839 and was canonized on the 6th of May 1984 by Pope John Paul II. St. Paul Chong Hasong, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Jesus said to the crowd, No one who lights a lamp conceals it with a vessel or sets it under a bed. Rather, he places it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not become visible and nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. To anyone who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he seems to have will be taken away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There was uh, a lot of commentary this morning from the early church fathers and and in the commentaries themselves about how Christ is this light. Haydock would say, Our Lord calls himself the lighted candle placed in the middle of the world. Christ was by nature God and by dispensation man, and thus not unlike a torch placed in the middle of a house, does our Lord seated in the soul of man illumine all around him, which is a hint of the mission of the church, to, to illumine the light and the heart of men. Towards what end? Towards salvation. Even St. Augustine morally would speak in Ignatius' commentary today. Jesus encourages boldness in evangelical preaching. No minister of the gospel should conceal the light of truth beneath earthly fears of persecution. Ooh, let that sink in. Can I say that again? St. Augustine says, No minister of the gospel should conceal the light of truth beneath earthly fears of persecution. The faithful servant puts Christ's lamp in full view, displaying his truth for the benefit of all. Supernatural grace. That is what our Lord is calling his disciples to, his apostles to. Supernatural grace. Not conforming to the ways of this world, but being a light in this dark world. In order to help save souls for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, that is the mission. I think that's a great takeaway. More on that coming up in the next hour. For those of you that can join us, we'll dive deeper. But until then, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this break. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Bishop Paprocki from Illinois is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about his article, his interview in the National Catholic Register on Traditionis Custodis, interpreting the Vatican, their meaning, their will, sort of navigating the difficult waters. What does this mean? We're going to ask him a lot of questions coming up at 35 past the hour. And maybe I could sneak in a few questions about uh, President Joe Biden and his statements on the origins of life and his support for abortion and all of that. So that's coming up 35 past the hour. You know, the story in uh, Del Rio was very, very concerning. You know, some 15,000 people living under a bridge. Now, um, here's the interesting thing. I remember talking to my wife about this over the weekend. And um, she was asking me, like, why are these people living under a Why are they coming and staying under this bridge? You know, um, I have friends who live in that part of Texas and who have uh, property there. And they have routinely saw uh, migrants coming across that border illegally and just walking straight through everybody's property, sort of uh, taking what they what they want, doing whatever they want, coming through their property. Not a lot of, of uh, people stopping them in that regard. But these folks, they're, they're coming to this bridge in Del Rio. They're coming across the river and they're just staying there. Why? Well, the answer is because they're looking for asylum. And they were hoping to apply for asylum because once the word got out that the current administration was not deporting, was not closing the border, keeping them in Mexico, the stay in Mexico policy, which a recent federal judge told the Biden administration they had to reenact, which they've ignored seemingly. Then the, the cell phones came out, friends and family got called, and then the wave came pouring in and it was just swelling up. And uh, so we've been, uh, Jenny's reported on that a minute ago, uh, this mayor in, in Del Rio, a Democrat, mind you, is calling out President Joe Biden, uh, trying to get his attention to say, why aren't you going on vacation? Why aren't you coming here? This is a crisis. This, the town itself has only 35,000 people, and yet there's 15,000 uh, migrants living under this bridge. Those are human beings. Irregardless of coming across the border illegally, they still need to eat. They need to go to the bathroom. They need to sleep. They, I mean... How many of them may be sick? There's still a humanitarian crisis there that would have to be dealt with. And a town with only 35,000 people quickly gets overwhelmed, especially if the federal uh, agencies who are tasked with border security aren't coming down there to make sure of it. So the Texas governor had to send some folks. And now apparently they are now starting to send some of these people back. Question is, how many it's hard to say, according to this Epic article, uh, Epic Times article about the Del Rio mayor. Uh, the the article ends with um, not not everybody's going to get sent back. I mean, some will, but not everyone. So that's a concerning story. There's a lot to pray about in that regard. Uh, I've said now for for years, we should have a sensible. Uh, you know, immigration policy. We should have a, a means by which to care for those uh, who need our help to help the good guys come in legally and appropriately and to keep the bad guys out. 
it should be sensible uh, border policy, but I don't know that we've seen sensible border policy in a long time. So that's continuing to be a political nightmare and a hotbed there. Another story that came out over the weekend that truly got my attention was uh, coming out of Canada. Um, We've been talking about this now for a while. I see a day where the the, the divisions within the church are just going to get worse. And it's quite possible that within our own towns, we're going to see two types. We're going to see basically a, a split uh, a split diocese. You're going to have the parishes that are vaccinated, the parishes that you know are going to go along with the uh, the mandates of of the world, and you're going to have the parishes that aren't going to do that. And we're already starting to see this. And I I would love to just be wrong about this and totally off base and and just a crazy person. That would be all right in my book, actually, to to find out that that's the case. But I don't know that it will be. And there's a story out of Canada where the archdiocese in Montton, how do I say that correctly? Montton, Montton, I'm sure I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly, but the archdiocese there has issued some regulations because the local health minister, quote, uh, this is I'm reading it right off their website, the archdiocese website. Um, the, it says it says vaccination remains the best way to counter the spread of the Delta variant and protect the population, especially the unvaccinated. I'm reading it directly here. The government is looking for a vaccination rate of around 90 percent. The minister made it clear to us that she does not require masks, sanitiz- sanitizing or social distancing at our gatherings. These measures remain at the discretion of individuals. The article goes on to say, I'm still quoting. Instead, she wishes to have gatherings of fully vaccinated people to keep people safe and to act as incentive for the unvaccinated. That is why going back to past health measures, mask, sanitizing and social distancing as a way to include unvaccinated people at our gatherings is not the measure promoted by the government. Notice that. So those things that we used to do that would help everybody come no matter the vaccination. No, we're not doing those things anymore. There's only one way forward. That's what they're saying here. So this is uh, now the response. Quote, therefore, beginning Wednesday, September the 22nd, at any gathering inside our churches, rectories, or community centers under our supervision, those present must be doubly vaccinated. Hmm. I'll repeat. Therefore, beginning Wednesday, September 22nd, any gathering inside our churches, any gathering inside our churches, IG, I wonder what that means, rectories or community centers under our supervision, those present must be doubly vaccinated. It goes on to say, by gatherings, we mean religious celebrations, Sunday and weekly masses, prayer meetings, baptisms, weddings and funerals, confirmation, first reconciliation, first communion, parish and pastoral meetings, catechesis meetings, management meetings, conferences, workshops, fraternal and social meetings, bingos, card games, etc. You can't even do bingo unvaccinated? What world do we live in that you can't even do bingo in your parish? Uh, By those present, we mean priests, lay ministers, members of choir, volunteers, the faithful, and other participants. This also applies to family members or close friends at baptisms, weddings, or funerals. Young people under the age of 12 are naturally exempted by this measure. Well, praise be to God for that. Uh, as they cannot currently be vaccinated. (laughs) But when they do, don't you worry. We'll mandate that too. Wow. Um, So essentially... Okay, so my next question is, okay, your, your uh, excellency, uh, 
uh, is it possible that you're going to be moving masses outdoors in order to accommodate all of the lay faithful and not just some of the lay faithful? Because now we've created a class of people, a privileged class, and an underprivileged class. Um, and that class warfare never leads to good. It tends to lead to socialism and communism, but that's another argument. So here we have a case where in order to get into the building, you have to show your vaccine passport. And guess what? All the sacraments are inside the building, apparently, and not outside. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. And in fact, they're going to be having outdoor masses, I guess, when the weather uh, provides, or they're going to set up a an, uh, a shelter, an awning or something so that they can have outdoor liturgy so that Every lay folk who is disposed correctly and can come to Holy Mass will do so. But what do you think the chances of that are happening? I mean, during the lockdown in 2020, I mean, people were begging their dioceses to have outdoor sacraments, confession at a minimum, but Holy Mass, and many bishops would not allow for it. Um, so this is a troubling situation. I, 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 this is a difficult and troubling situation where vaccinations become the means by which one can receive the sacraments. Now, I, I have a catechism. I've actually read the John Paul II catechism from cover to cover, and I can't remember anywhere in there where it says, in order to receive the sacraments, you have to be vaccinated. I can't remember anywhere in there where a people who were contagious were somehow not now able to receive uh, the sacraments. Uh, nowhere in there, in fact. And if I, I mean, maybe I can think about some stories of possibly of Jesus touching lepers. How about St. Francis who cared for the lepers after his, uh, his you know, coming, uh, coming to life? You know, uh, we all remember the story of St. Francis, right? Dude, stripping himself of his clothes to give everything back because he wanted nothing of the world that he came into, but rather wanted to live completely and totally and madly in love for Jesus Christ and for his church and caring for the lepers personally with his own hands. You know, it, it's this is a troubling time. Uh, someone, someone should try their best to reason with the, the archbishop out of love and charity, in order to, um, to say not just the vaccinated, but all people uh, who are properly disposed should have access to the sacraments. Janice? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I agree. And if anything, you know, Christ came for the sick. Christ came for um, those that, that uh, are in need of him. And so I think that is obviously very, uh, that's not very biblical, the, the way that that's being approached Um if that does become a mainstream ideology within the church, uh, it's definitely a great loss and a great detraction from the biblical narrative of, you know, Christ coming for the sick. You know, yeah. where, where do yeah. we, where do, where do the sick people go to then? You know? Yes. Where do they go? I mean, or just the, the average lay folk. I mean, uh, Bishop Pop Rocky has said, uh, on a couple of occasions, reaffirm me, even in his own diocese, we're going to be talking to him at 35 past the hour, just a few minutes. In his own diocese, he said, you know, we, we got to do what we can, you know, we reasonable health regulations. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being prudential. However, in his own diocese, he made it very clear he's not going to be pulling this stuff with vaccinations and requiring people to have them. Because if people have a, a, an informed conscience, and their conscience bothers them that they don't want to participate in this because of abortion or, or otherwise, 
then they have a right to do so. The church teaches that, reaffirms that. And so it's becoming an incredibly divisive topic, and I fear that this is going to get worse. And I see two churches, and go, go back to the third century, fourth century, where this became the norm. Even go back earlier than that, Ignatius of Antioch, writing his seven letters before he was eaten by lions in, in Rome, in the Roman Colosseum, the Docetans, you know, they had their own churches. They had their vestments, the smells and the bells, the miters, they had everything that the regular Catholic Church had. And this is why Ignatius of Antioch exhorted the people to remain faithful to the true church, not the fake one that looks a lot like the real church. And that division is goes all the way back to the earliest days, and it's still here, and I fear that this is going to get even worse as the days go on. So it's a very, very concerning situation. Um, the world, the flesh, and the devil, supernatural faith, supernatural courage, this, this is the time for that, and let's pray that we see more of that in, not just in the hierarchy, but how about in our own homes? That would be amazing, too. Praise be to God. Hey, listen, before we go to a break, which you're coming up to here in just a moment, we're going to have uh, more breaking news and stories with Janice, and then, like I said, Bishop Pop Rocky from the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois. is going to be on to talk about Traditionis Custodis. Maybe we'll ask him about this if time permits. Um, but I wanted to mention that I'm going to be giving out four copies of the audio narration from Andy Serkis, who played Smeagol in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. He's narrated The Fellowship of the Ring, and I've got four copies to give away. This week, I'll be telling you about how you could win one of those copies. Uh, We've been listening to it at my house. It sounds great. It's fantastic. He does a great job. So that's coming up this week. So stay tuned. You're going to want to be on our email list. To, to really have the chance to win. So make sure you do that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7, 1, where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text because just a few verses later in verse 5, he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. This is Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, Biden's multi-trillion dollar spending plan will devastate religious liberty and the U.S. economy. Democrats in Congress are moving quickly to advance Biden's multi-trillion dollar Build Back Better plan, which threatens to impose a radical pro-LGBT socialist agenda. 
Religious freedom and economic stability in Joe Biden's America could take a major hit in the coming months. Back from their summer recess, Democrats in Congress are moving quickly to advance the Biden's radical multi-trillion dollar Build Back Better spending package. House committees have already finished drafting proposals for a record-breaking of $3.5 trillion human infrastructure budget reconciliation bill, which strongly is backed by the White House. From Catholic vote, senators have sounded alarm over banks discriminating against conservatives. U.S. senators are being requested to take steps to protect Americans from bank discriminating against their political views quote we we write with regard with the importance of ensuring that americans do not lose access to banking services due to their political affiliations or beliefs end quote from the epic times the net the united nations has warned that artificial intelligence systems may pose a negative even catastrophic threat to human rights and called for AI applications that are not used in compliance with human rights to be banned. From the Epic Times, the Senator Elizabeth McDonald on Sunday ruled that Democrats can't include in their $3.5 trillion spending bill a provision aimed to give millions of illegal immigrants a pathway to citizenship. From Epic Times, the forecaster said Tropical Storm Peter formed over the Atlantic Ocean on Sunday and Tropical Depression 17 intensified into Tropical Storm Rose Sunday afternoon over the far eastern Atlantic, becoming the 16th and 17th storm of the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season. From Epic Times, an Australian government inquiry has heard the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, interference is threatening democracy, freedom and human rights in Australia. From Epic Times as well, the United Airlines CEO said that they are prepared to require, require passenger vaccination if Biden mandates it. The chief executive officer of United Airlines has said that they will mandate passengers to show proof of COVID vaccination if the U.S. president says so. And from Crux Now, as thousands of migrants congregate underneath the Del Rio International Bridge, the Archbishop of San Antonio says the archdiocese will help however possible. But he fears that an already overwhelming situation for the border will get worse. The number of migrants underneath the bridge grew from 8,000 on Sunday, with some reports indicating that 9,000. Del, Del Rio Bruno Lazo said on Wednesday that there were at least 20,000 more immigrants en route from Mexico. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Monday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is the Most Reverend Thomas John Paprocki. He's the ninth bishop of Springfield in Illinois. Good morning to you, Bishop. Thank you for your time. Hello, good morning. Good to be with you. Praise be to God. Um, we wanted to talk to you about your article that was an interview over at the National Catholic Register, and this was probably at least a month ago, a little maybe a little over a month ago, uh, on the topic of traditionis custodis. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people were very shocked by this. A lot of people, some people were happy, I suppose, and uh, others were confused. And so we thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk to a bishop directly about this and really get a sense from your perspective on what is, what this means and how the church will proceed forward. Uh, all of us here at the Catholic Drive Time team tend to be more traditional. All of us, I think, attend the traditional Latin Mass on a regular basis, uh, FSSP mostly. So... Um, with that in mind, Your Excellency, can you tell us what was it, in your opinion, in your uh, from your point of view, what was it that the Holy Father and the Vatican were trying to accomplish with Traditionis Custodis? I think the the main thrust of uh, Traditionis Custodis is to uh, give responsibility for oversight regarding uh, the uh, Tridentine Mass to bishops, whereas uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth in uh, in his um, uh, letter in 2007, when he he wrote uh, uh, his letter on um, uh, uh Pontificum, uh, he specifically uh, said uh, to bishops that um, he was giving he was taking this decision on his authority to basically authorize priests uh, anywhere who wanted to say the the mass in the traditional form, the Tridentine form, uh, or as the extraordinary form, as he called it. Um, and then I quote here, the present norms are also meant to free bishops from constantly having to evaluate anew how they are to respond to various situations. Uh, and so in that sense, he was trying to do the bishops a, a favor, but apparently some bishops felt that by doing so, uh, he took authority for uh, the uh, Tridentine Mass out of uh, their hands. And so basically what Pope Francis was doing was put, putting that responsibility on, on the bishops. Um, the, uh, the problem with that is that uh, by giving that responsibility to individual bishops, we now have, uh, I, I would say, some uneven uh, application of this. You have some bishops that are very favorable uh, to the traditional Latin Mass uh, and uh, uh, therefore are allowing this to continue in their diocese and other uh, bishops who perhaps uh, want to see it go away. And uh, and so we have some dioceses where basically the uh, traditional Latin Mass is being banned. So there's a little, there, there's an inconsistency with this uh, now and um, uh, different, different uh, patterns emerging uh, in different parts of the world. Your Excellency, in your or in the article or in the interview, rather, you uh, said that you tried to distinguish between the use of should and shall as opposed to must or shall in regards to mandates versus more like, I guess, suggestions. Uh, Cardinal Burke's response to it, he makes the point of saying in the Italian, uh, the adjective unica is translated into English as unique instead of only. And in Article 4, he says the Italian verb devono is translated into English as should instead of must. Uh, could you speak about the implications behind uh, not having a Latin original text and uh, what, how are exactly bishops are balancing this idea of, um, is this a requirement? Are we being required to do X, Y, or Z? Or is these things that are just like good suggestions and really it's in the hands of the bishops? Well, I think, unfortunately, there is uh, some ambiguity with this uh, document that uh, is not real clear. I mean, traditionally, um, the official uh, language of a, a papal document would be in Latin. And so if there's any question about interpretation, you go to uh, the Latin, but we do not even have uh, Latin of the uh, uh, Traditionis uh, Custodis document, uh, other than the title. 
but the original is in uh, Italian. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the official language because it's interesting even on the Vatican website where they have the, uh, the English translation, it is uh, uh, listed as an official translation. Well, if it's official, uh, does that, uh, it's not even clear which is the binding. Is it, do you have to go back to the original in Italian or if the English is an official translation, uh, do you go by the English? And, uh, so that's unclear. And then, uh, as you mentioned, there is the, uh, use of the word in article one, uh, in, in Italian, unica, saying that in English, we, that's translated as unique, that the, uh, the liturgical books promulgated by Pope, uh, St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II, uh, in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II, are the unique expression of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite. Well, unique in, in English uh, has a different sense than the Italian unica, which is, uh, could also be translated as the only. So if, if we say each, each person is a unique human being, well, yes, there, we are unique, but there's not there, we're not the only human being on earth, you know, so uh, there's a unique person, but not the only person around. Uh, whereas uh, here, this, this expression that's a unique expression, he's referring here to uh, what we call, uh, I'm going back to the terminology, uh, the Tridentine and the Novus Ordo, because apparently uh, the, the terminology that Pope Benedict used, the ordinary and extraordinary form has been abrogated. So uh, the Tridentine referring to the, the missile that uh, developed from the Council of Trent uh, and the most uh, commonly referred to in this document is the, the missile of uh, 1962. Uh, and then uh, the Reformed liturgy after the Second Vatican Council uh, is referred to, uh, I would refer to that as the Novus Ordo. So uh, and, and a couple of other uh, inconsistencies in this uh, document and in um, Article 3, Paragraph 2, you have this uh, uh, restriction here. It says that, uh, again, this is the uh, directed to the diocesan bishop. Uh, he is to designate one or more locations where the faithful adherents of these groups may gather for the Eucharistic celebration. And then in parentheses, it says, not, however, in the parochial churches and without the erection of new personal parishes. Um, so the, the implication there is that the... Um, the Tridentine Mass should not be celebrated in parish churches. But then uh, just a few uh, sections later in, in Article 3, Paragraph 5, it says that diocesan bishops are to proceed suitably to verify that the parishes canonically erected for the benefit of these faithful are effective for their spiritual growth and to determine whether or not to retain them. Hold, uh, so, Your Excellency, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If, if you could hold that thought, we're going to go to a, a very quick break. We'll be right back with more from Bishop Paprocki on Traditionis Consortis. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay. Or there's no poetry in betting. 
If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful, or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. We're talking with Bishop Paprocki from Springfield in Illinois about Traditionis Custodis. About a little over a month ago, he was interviewed in the National Catholic Register, and uh, we thought that was really good conversation. So we wanted to have a conversation with him about that. We'll link to it on our social feeds for those that are interested. But uh, welcome back to the program, Your Excellency. Thank you again for your time. Um, if it's okay, I would like to ask you, uh, many peop- many of us felt this was very heavy-handed. If I'm not mistaken, there, uh, the bishop in New Jersey, Tobin, said uh, his, he comments something about using a chainsaw instead of a scalpel. You know, and uh, it, many of us in the traditional communities uh, who are loyal to the church, especially to Rome and to our diocese and to our local bishops and, and, uh, and whatnot, we really felt like this was painting a picture of us in a very negative way and very heavy-handed. Did, from, as a bishop, did you see it this way, or could you uh, sympathize with those of us that might feel that way? Well, yes, I would say that uh, whoever was advising the, the, the Holy Father on this did not uh, serve him well. I think it was uh, ill-advised. Uh, because uh, in the Pope's accompanying letter, he gives the impression that uh, uh, he understands the uh, Tridentine Mass in Latin to be something that is uh, uh, attractive to older people who perhaps are nostalgic uh, for the for the uh, the traditional Mass. And uh, in my experience, and I've talked to many others who are uh, involved in celebrating uh, the traditional Latin Mass, that it's actually young people. Uh, that are very attracted to it. I think uh, older folks in, in most cases have, have moved on uh, from the time of the Second Vatican Council, and it's young people who are discovering uh, the traditional Latin Mass and find it to be very uh, beautiful. So uh, those who think that uh, once the older generation dies off, uh, the desire or the interest in the, in the uh, uh, Tridentine Latin Mass would simply go away, I, I just don't think that's uh, that's true. But uh, uh, just to finish the, the thought I, I had was was going down earlier, the uh, issue about parochial uh, churches, uh, you know, so that the document clearly says that a bishop can retain uh, the Tridentine Mass in, uh, in in those parishes that where, where it uh, serves the faithful. Um, but then if it's not to be in parochial churches, where are these Masses supposed to be celebrated? So there, too, is a discrepancy. So all I did with that is uh, to the extent that there's ambiguity about that, I issued a dispensation. So under Canon 87, a diocesan bishop can dispense of uh, whenever he judges that it would contribute to the spiritual good of the faithful. And so I made that determination, even in the case of universal laws, which you would, would have here. So 
um, that's what I'm doing in my diocese. And uh, well, I've heard from my, my parishioners that they're pleased that they can still continue to have the Mass in the Tridentine form. You know, Your Excellency, uh, it's very comforting to hear you say that, uh, because I know I was talking to a, a couple friends of mine. One is a seminarian at a Dawson parish, at a Dawson uh, seminary, and another is a deacon at Dawson seminary. And they were saying how hurt they were by this, because they were planning on doing both uh, the Novus Ordo and the traditional Mass uh, when they were ordained. And it's very comforting to hear saw a bishop sympathize with their, their plight. But on the in regards to what you said a second ago, I saw a lot of people attacking your decision to be so uh, free and merciful with, uh, the, with your dispensations. And a lot of people on Twitter and on social media were saying you were being disobedient to the will of the Holy Father and that you are violating the spirit of the law. Could you speak about, uh, about th- that accusation? Well, I think that's a basic misunderstanding of what a dispensation is uh, in the church. We have uh, dispensations in canon law that we use all the time. I'm sure uh, most people are, are familiar with somebody in their family or friend that's uh, married a non-Catholic. And uh, we call that a, a marriage of mixed religion, or if, if they marry somebody who's not even baptized, that's uh, called disparity of cult. Uh, and those are forbidden uh, by the church, but we get dispensations all the time uh, for people to do that. Uh, and, and so here, the dispensation for the spiritual good of the faithful, dispensation is considered to be sort of a, a wounding of the law, you might say, it's an exception to the law. And um, in my diocese, I have 129 parishes and uh, so I've uh, permitted this uh, basically in three parishes. So that's not exactly like it's a widespread uh, exception. I'm not just disregarding uh, the Pope's motu proprio. Uh, it's only in three parishes so far that have requested and have received this uh, dispensation. So uh, I, th- I think that it's also ironic in a way that you get people who are arguing for diversity uh, in many different ways. And, and uh, even within the um, the Novus Ordo Mass, if you go from one parish to another, there's great diversity. Some parishes will have uh, a folk group and they'll have guitars and, and drums and horns and banjos and uh, and go to another parish again, even in, in the Novus Ordo, and you'll have organ music and, and more traditional chant. Uh, and, and so we have that experience already. So uh, if we're touting diversity, well, uh, this diversity exists then with having Mass and different rites. Even, even uh, outside of the Latin rite, we, we have the Eastern rites. We have a lot of different uh, rites in the church in the way that uh, the Eucharist is, is celebrated both validly and licitly. That's been one of the issues that I've really had with Traditionis Custodis and what feels to me as the heavy-handedness on the issue. Number one, of all the issues going on in our day and our time, scandals and, and politics and all the rest— um, this is the issue we have to deal with right now. Okay. The other is, well, it seems to me we wouldn't deny the Greeks or the Russians or the, you know, uh, Ukrainians or the Syro Malabarians or the Chaldeans. We wouldn't deny any of them their traditions, uh, but somehow the traditional Latin rite, the traditional Latin mass is, uh, needs to be brought into uh, alignment somehow. It seems to me a disproportionate response and, and, a, and a feeling of it. We have the Anglican Ordinariate now as a part of the Roman Catholic Church. They have their traditional uh, form of the liturgy that they're allowed to keep. Um, and as you pointed out, Your Excellency, you know, depending on what church you go to depends on the version of the Novus Ordo you're going to get. So it does feel very disproportionate in response and heavy-handed that way. Um, 
if unity was the goal, and praise be to God for it, I was St. Paul, Ephesians 4 was talking about, be careful to maintain that unity. And I, I love that sentiment. But it would seem to me that there are many uh, faithful Catholics in the suburban parishes of a diocese who are now not able to access the traditional form of the Mass. Are we pushing them to some of these other communities? Are we swelling the parking lots of of FSSP or even SSPX as a result of this? Wouldn't it have been more unifying to bring them back into the suburban parishes? Well, that is the risk here that uh, the reason that uh, Pope John Paul II and Pope uh, Benedict XVI were more generous in uh, their uh, allowing the use of the Tridentine Mass was precisely because they were concerned about those who were joining uh, groups like uh, uh, like St. Pius X, uh, Society of St. Pius X, and was trying to bring them back uh, into the fold. And uh, so I think what we have to be concerned here is, is, is pushing them back out. I, I would like to uh, also encourage people to uh, consider that, you know, in terms of how we, we implement uh, this mode appropriate from the Holy Father, I, first of all, I was pleased to see that he did uh, also call out abuses uh, from those who do not celebrate uh, uh, the Novus Ordo properly. And I, I hope that bishops will pay attention to that uh, as well. But I would also like to remind people that uh, the, there is uh, ample opportunity to celebrate the Mass, even the Novus Ordo Mass, in Latin. Uh, and sometimes perhaps some people may mistakenly feel that uh, the, the, when they refer, uh, I've even had reporters ask me about uh, the Latin Mass. I said, well, which Latin Mass are you talking about? Are you talking about the traditional Latin Mass, the, uh, uh, the Tridentine or the Novus Ordo? Because in, in fact, in canon law, canon 928 says that the Eucharistic celebration is to be carried out in the Latin language or in another language provided that the liturgical texts have been legitimately approved. So uh, I think people forget that sometimes. You you can celebrate the Novus Ordo, and I've, I've done that. I, I used to do that regularly at St. John Cantus Church in Chicago. Uh, the Mass can be celebrated. Uh, in fact, the way this canon is written, the preferred language is Latin, even in the Novus Ordo. And some people think, well, if you're celebrating the new Mass, it has to be in the vernacular. And that's simply not true. So I think you can do a very beautiful Novus Ordo Mass, uh, ad orientum, um, with chant and incense and uh, you know, many of the beautiful things that we do uh, in the Tridentine Mass can also be done in the Novus Ordo. So I would, I would hope that we would see uh, uh, in those dioceses perhaps that are uh, not permitting the celebration of the uh, uh, Tridentine Mass that we would see a greater application of uh, the Novus Ordo Mass uh, in Latin celebrated with more traditional Gre Gregorian chant and hymns. Amen. We only have a couple of minutes left in our conversation with Bishop Paprocki. Real quick, one question. Uh, did you receive the survey that the, the Vatican sent out a year in advance? I did receive the survey, but it was buried with, uh, with many other uh, communications that we get on, on our bishop's website of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, and, and so it, it came out last year in April, right at the time when we were dealing with, with all of the COVID uh, changes and restrictions. And so uh, Although I did receive it, frankly, I missed it. And, uh, you, know, you know, if there's something that's really important, they, they send an email directly uh, to bishops and uh, call it to our attention. And, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. But what I'm told is that the response, um, perhaps because others had a similar experience, the response was, was not that great. And um, amongst those that did respond, it was, um, it, it was mixed. It was at best 50-50. 
So I don't think there was any, uh, I didn't get a sense there was a, any overwhelming uh, cry from the bishops. And in fact, my own experience was that things were going along pretty well. And uh, there were, I did not have concerns that uh, people who were going to the, the trad traditional Latin mass were somehow uh, troublemakers or rejecting uh, the validity of the uh, Novus Ordo or the Second Vatican Council. Well, we're, we're just about down to a minute here, and we have to say goodbye. Your Excellency, we're very grateful to you for your generous time this morning and commenting on this. Uh, we, we appreciate your time. Would you be so kind as to give us your blessing? I would. Benedica vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Praise be to God. God bless you, Bishop. Thank you for your time again. God love you, and have a great day. And that is going to do it for our first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. We will post this conversation on our social feeds later. You can always find that on our website. But also for those of you who can join us for our second hour, the game show is back this week, Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you might just learn something but also win some cool prizes. And the Catholic Gentleman is our sponsor this week. So be sure to stick around for that. That's coming up in the next hour, as well as our after show more news and more stories, all that coming up next on Catholic Drive Time at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father, so why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. You have survived it. Congratulations. You made it through the weekend. I know you were like, about time. I finally get to go back to work. God is so very good. Just imagine what you will accomplish this week. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great show for you today. The uh, game show Fear and Trembling is on the agenda. It's back. Last week we were off because of our share across the Guadalupe Radio Network, which reminds me, uh, I just wanted to tell you, thank you for generously supporting our radio postulate. It means so much to us. You make it possible for us to do what we do. If it wasn't for you, we would be working elsewhere. <laughs> we Literally, we couldn't keep the doors open, the lights on, and Catholic radio waves flowing into your community if it was not for your support. So thank you for being so generous and making your, your pledges last week during our share We are so very grateful to every single one of you who did so. So uh, God bless you and God love you for that. But the game show is back at 15 past. We will play Fear and Trembling. And this week we have a new prize sponsor, and we are grateful for it. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Who, who is our sponsor this week? We have the Catholic de- Gentlemen. They're nice. uh, a Catholic uh, apostolate, uh, specifically uh, kind of catered to men, hence the name Catholic Gentlemen. Um, but they're great, yeah, great Catholic apostolate. They have uh, they have really awesome goods in their store. So they're giving away a mug and a leather book to our game show winner nice. this week. Is the leather book a like a journal or what is it? You know. Yes, I believe it is a journal. It's a it's kind of a just like a reflection journal made out of, made out of leather. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, wow, mm-hmm. I don't journal personally, and that not kind of not my thing. But uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who do. So praise be to God for it. Speaking of uh, journaling, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Are you saying I'm a journaler? Mm, you're in touch with your emotions and your feelings, right? Does journaling uh, require that I be in touch with my emotions and my feelings? Of course it does. Um, 100%. Like, I don't know about this. Is there a single this. person who journals that isn't in like in tune with that? Uh, you know, I'm going to say I, I like keeping a notepad around and I write in my notepad. Okay, that's different. Uh, but I don't uh, write about my, I'm not like a dear diary kind of guy. Dear diary. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pass on that one. <laughs> well, but <laughs> I'll take a journal because I, I love uh, taking notes on physical paper because I just kind I of. I do too. I, I do that all the so time. So I use, I use journals all the time, but I don't write like diary entries that's mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. my well, it not could my be it could be an intellectual journal like about your ideas or the philosophies that come to your light your mind exactly. and then how it makes you feel no and no. how and how you oh. maybe you're maybe yeah. you're writing your blogs yeah. throughout oh. the day your your about own how you feel about what you think <laughs> about your emotions <laughs> what i think about right right what i think about my emotions exactly <laughs> that's exactly I, correct i personally love journaling journaling is very therapeutic 
Ah, for sure. I Maybe find, it's a feminine thing. <laughs> I find shooting my bow very th- therapeutic. Punching <laughs> on the heavy bag is super therapeutic. Um, eating tacos, pretty darn therapeutic. Going to adoration, very therapeutic. <laughs> okay, you got me. Fine, whatever. All right. Anyway, we are going to have a bit of an after show today at, at uh, 30 past the hour just on our social feed. So we're live streaming right now to our website, to Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. We're also live streaming on odyssey.com. So you can find everything linked up and hang out with us. And maybe you can tell us what's therapeutic for you in the after show at uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Real quick, also before we pray and jump into our hour, I want to tell you I have four copies of the brand new audiobook on the Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien, narrated by Gollum, or at least the actor who played Gollum in The Lord of the Rings and in The Hobbit, Andy Serkis. So they gave me four to give away, and on the 23rd, which is later this week, Joseph Pierce is going to be on to talk about whether or not Tolkien used his Catholic worldview as the foundation, the very fabric for creating the Lord of the Rings. We're going to talk about his Catholic faith. So that's coming up on the 23rd, and we're going to give away those four copies. If you would like a copy, a free copy of the audiobook narrated by Andy Serkis, well, you're going to have to stay tuned. But let me tell you, if you're not on the email list, you're probably not going to be able to win. So you're going to want to be on the email list, and you can do that by Going to our website right now, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can sign up there. All right, so uh, check that out. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis on Saturday greeted the G20 Interfaith Forum being held in Italy, telling participants that, quote, true religion consists in adoring God and loving one's neighbor. From Epic Times, nearly 70 missing children have been rescued by security forces in Nigeria's dozens of students who have been kidnapped by bandits from a school in Nigeria Nigeria earlier this month have been reunited with their families, the region's governor has announced. From Epic Times, the United States and Mexico on Thursday agreed to work on making shared supply chains, especially for semiconductors, making competitive and in, 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 invest in social programs to tackle migration, said top Mexican officials after high-level economic talks in Washington. From Epic Times, the United Airline employees who are granted a medical or religious exemption have been informed that they will be automatically placed in unpaid leave, a policy that one exp- experts described as the hardest in, hardest in America. From Alatia, an elderly couple has retired from fostering after welcoming over their 600 child in their home over the past 56 years. 
Pauline and Roger Fitter, both in their 80s, actually started fostering when they'd been married for just three months. This was due to a vow that Mrs. Fitter made, which was that she was working as a nurse in a residential nursery caring for young children waiting to be adopted. From five biological sisters have become nuns in a period of, a two, of two years, which has drawn attention in Spain. Their home country, the family includes a total of seven adult children, six sisters, and one brother. All five sisters joined the same Spanish contempl contemplative religious community, Jesu Comunio, founded in 2010 and Burgos in the north of the country. From Epic Times, a baby girl is born in Singapore weighing the same as an apple. It is believed that she is the world's lightest baby ever to survive a premature birth and be discharged, di discharged healthy. She finally headed home with her family and her grateful parents after 13 months of fighting for her life in the hospital. Praise God. From Alatia, pro-life organizations live action held its annual gala to award three people who have been contributed to the pro-life movement. The American pro-life organization Live Action held its annual gala dinner at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Dana, Dana Point, California, a stunning seaside setting to present awards to three outstanding people who've been contributing to the pro-life movement by lifting by fighting for the unborn. Two North Carolina judges in, on September 17th struck down a law that required photo identification to vote, saying that the measure was enacted and the unconstitutional intent to discriminate against African-American voters. From Epic Times, Biden administration's COVID-19 advisory, Anthony Fauci, said that the Food and Drug Administration will likely make a decision on whether to recommend COVID-19 vaccines for children under the age of 12 in the fall. And the Taliban terrorist group has ordered the majority of women employed in the Kabul city government to exit the work workforce and remain at home. The mayor of Afghanistan capital announced on Sunday female employees to leave workforce and stay home. And lastly, from Blaze News, the Texas Governor Abbott has ordered several points of entry at the border shut down after thousands of illegal aliens encamped under a bridge while awaiting refugee processing. Quote, the sheer carelessness of the Biden administration to do their job and secure the border is app appalling to read the emergency statements from Abbott, end quote. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Monday. The saint of the day is St. Paul Chong Hasong, who was born in 1795 in Korea. He was the son of Yak Jong Church, who was murdered in 1801 in the persecution of Shen Yu, an attack on the faithful that killed all the clergy in the country. Let me say that again. That killed all the clergy in the country. Son of St. Yu Cecilia, brother of St. Zhang Hai, Paul, though a layman, reunited the scattered Christians and encouraged them to keep their faith and live their faith. He wrote the Sangje Sangsu, which explained to the Korean government why the church was no threat to them. 
He crossed into China nine times, working as a servant to the Korean diplomatic corps. There, he worked to get the bishop of Beijing to send more priests to Korea. He pleaded directly to Rome for help. Sounds familiar. And on the 9th of September, 1831, Pope Gregory X proclaimed the validity of the Korean Catholic diocese. When the clergy began to return, Paul entered the seminary. However, he died in Zhihai persecution of 1839 before he could be ordained. One, he was one of the great founders of the Catholic Church in Korea. He died a martyr on the 22nd of September, 1839, and was canonized on the 6th of May, 1984, by Pope John Paul II. St. Paul Chong Ha Sung, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Jesus said to the crowd, No one who lights a lamp conceals it with a vessel or sets it under a bed. Rather, he places it on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not become visible, and nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. To anyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he seems to have will be taken away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, St. Maximus said. Or perhaps the Lord calls himself a light shining to all who inhabit the house, that is, the world, since he is by nature God and by dispensation made flesh. And so, like the light of the lamp, he abides in the vessel of the flesh by means of the soul as the light in the vessel of the lamp by means of the flame. But by the candlestick, he describes the church over which the divine word shines, illuminating the house, as it were, by the rays of truth. But under the similitude of a vessel or bed, he referred to the observance of the law under which the word will not be contained. Uh, Adrian, what did you find? Yes, yeah, so the according to St. Thomas Aquinas, the light symbolizes the light of reason. And so we need to have our light. We, have to, we need it to be lit. Otherwise, uh, think about it this way. Whenever we commit mortal sin, what happens to us? Our will is weakened and our intellect is darkened. And so what happens when our intellect is darkened and our will is weakened? That means we are more disposed to grave sin, which is why we have to go to confession as often as possible. Because the more sins you commit, venial or otherwise, the weaker your will becomes, the less you are able to resist the temptations of sin. And the, the, dark, the more darkened your intellect becomes, which is why St. Thomas was called the angelic doctor because of his great virtue and his purity in terms of chastity. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, right? And then the light stand, as, uh, as Joe mentioned a second ago, is a symbol of the church because our reason cannot stand on its own. It must be built upon the foundation that is the church because what is humility and what is uh, truth, but a submission of our mind to reality, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. And so in order to uh, have our reason set apart and such a way that brings us into the kingdom of heaven, we have to submit our reason to the uh, to the truth, which is the church and which is the truth of the gospel. All right, praise be to God. Time to play our game, though. Fear and trembling, and we are on the hunt for a contestant. 
Could that be you, dear listener? Well, all you need to do, and you don't even need to know the answers to win our game, it's that easy, is make a phone call. And that phone number is open right now at 877-757-9424. Call right now. Be our first caller to be our guest at 877-757-9424. Want to win some prizes? Well, call right now. You could win at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Call right now. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda, which I can't tell you because we need a caller. And the phone lines were down before the break, so we've rebooted, so you should be able to call in right now at 877-757-9424. We're looking for a caller to play our game and possibly win some prizes at 877-757-9424. Call right now. And you get to be our contestant at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. But here is the deal. There are a few secret and hidden things we like to do during the game show, but I'll only tell you if you promise never to tell anybody else what we're doing, okay? Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and you might learn something about your faith you didn't know before. Praise be to God for that. 
And then we like to have fun, and our callers tend to be a lot of fun. They laugh with us, and, and they're good sports, and we really enjoy that, so praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which means it's kind of a winner for everybody involved. But the kicker is the caller does not need to know the answers to any of the questions in order to win the game. They could win and not know a single one, because I won't ask them. I will ask Janice, and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. Praise be to God. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? This week, we have a great sponsor known as the Catholic Gentleman Store. So the Catholic Gentleman is a Catholic apostolate dedicated to evangelizing uh, Catholic men, hence the name Catholic Gentleman. Uh, they are giving away a stoneware coffee mug mm. and a Catholic gentleman leather patch hat. So earlier, I think we had mentioned it was a leather book. It's actually a leather patch hat. So just a clarification on yeah. that. There's leather involved. Leather involved. It's just yeah. not a book. It's a hat. Which, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to get in touch with my feelings then. <laughs> I can just put the hat on. That's good enough. You never had to. <laughs> Praise be to God. Praise be to you God. You know, our, our feelings are really our soul. Uh-huh. So I, I like okay. to say you're getting in touch with your yeah. soul. And, right. and God wants us to get in touch with our souls. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, praise be to God. Thank you, Catholic gentlemen, for being a generous sponsor of our game show. Praise be to God. And for everyone who's called in, praise Jesus. Our phones are back up and the phone lines lit up. And God, that's amazing. Call back tomorrow. Call early. You can be on hold early. That way you guarantee yourself a slot there. But uh, we'll have opportunities all week long for you to win the prize pack. So please be sure to call back. But let's go to the phones. And Sandra calling in from San Antonio. Good morning. Thank you for being a part of our program. Well, good morning. Praise be to God. Sandra, where do you go to church? St. Pius X in San Antonio. There you go. Now, you've played before, right? No, no, it's my first time. This is your first time? We should have a first-time game player sounder, Adrian. Yeah. What can we, like, we got to come up with something creative there, but, like, uh, maybe we can go with uh, the horns of the apocalypse. No, darn it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah will work just fine. Whatever. Anyway, Sandra, we're grateful for you being on our program. Now, are you familiar with how the game works? Yes, I listen to you every morning. Praise be to God. From your lips to God's ears, Sandra. Uh, do Amen. You, do you have an opinion as to who might be trickier, Adrian or Janice? Sorry, Denise, but you're tricky. Ah, wow. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Thank you very much, Sandra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the quiet the truth. You the truth out. comes out. Yes. You're very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. No. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. My, my husband thinks I'm tricky, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a working progress skill I've developed. <laughs> All right. Well, praise be to God. So, okay. So you ready to play the game, Sandra, then? You ready to do this? I'm ready. All right. I think we're all ready. We will start with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, as long as the questions are not too vague. <laughs> are you sure? Yes. Okay. Janice, uh, and this one is this one could be tricky, okay? But uh, Janice, can you tell me how many disciples were there? Where, where? 
like mm-hmm. of our Lord she, uh, Jesus. Have you heard of Jesus? I'm just uh, <laughs> so are we, are we talking? How about- <laughs> many disciples were there in the Bible in the uh, New Testament? No, just, just disciples. How many okay. disciples were okay, there? Okay, well, I feel like the question's tricky, but I'm gonna <laughs> say, <laughs> I'm gonna say twelve. Yeah. Of course, there's twelve. Twelve? You think disciples. so? Twelve. Yes, of okay. course. So the answer's twelve. <laughs> yes. You're on the board for twelve. Mm-hmm. All right, could be. Sounds reasonable. I read that somewhere. Jesus had twelve uh, disciples. Let's just see mm-hmm. what uh, Adrian has to say. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me how many disciples were there? How many disciples, as opposed to apostles? Huh, you're making distinctions. In, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had my uh, daily cup of uh, just of uh, nuance today. Uh, it's uh, seventy to seventy-two disciples. We should get a coffee brand to give us a, a nuanced flavor. That'd be hilarious. It, all, yeah. all coffee is nuanced flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your answer is 70, seventy to seventy-two. Seventy-two, somewhere in there. Right. Okay. So, uh, Sandra, let me let me summarize for you. Adrian seems to think there were seventy to seventy-two disciples. Whereas Janice says there were 12. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Sandra, what say you? Oh, well, we're all called to be disciples. Mm. Tricky, tricky. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Adrian, I'm going to go with Adrian. Adrian, oh, my God. Are you sure? Perfect. (laughs) Way to go. I think she chose you because she thought I was being tricky. She did. She did. (laughs) All right. So, teachable moment. There is a distinction here between apostles and disciples, even in the Gospels. It Mm -hmm. was clear that there were, you know, 70 to 72, which is, by the way, a reference to the Sanhedrin, uh, versus the apostles were distinguished from those uh, disciples as being set apart. So, good job. You got it right, whether you knew it or not. 70 to 72 was the correct answer. You're in the cup. Praise be to God. You could win, Sandra. So, how do you feel? I'm happy. I'm smiling. Good. Uh, well, I'm praise God. I'm work and everybody's looking at me. Why is she clapping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that I know that you're at work, we can have more fun with that. All right, so let's go to the second question. Now, this might be even, you, you got you got to be a biblical scholar to know this next one. Super okay, easy. Which, Sandra, I know you are, so I think you can get this. We'll go to Adrian. Adrian, can you give me the Hebrew, uh, the meaning of the Hebrew name, uh, or give me the name for the meaning, God is my judge. So, you can translate that into Hebrew if you want, but what is the the name, the Hebrew name for the meaning God is my judge? Yes. So the L in uh, in Hebrew refers to God uh-huh, and the and uh-huh. Dan uh, refers to judge and so okay. Daniel. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a son named after Daniel. Interesting. Yeah. Daniel Jude. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, in fact, <laughs> uh, impossible causes for a reason, I'm just saying. Uh, Janice, can you tell me uh, can you give me the Hebrew name that means God is my judge? Mm, God is my judge. That would be Elijah. Elijah. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. It's a tough one. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, yeah, 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 is an understatement. We should put that on a button. Ay, ay, ay. All right, so Sandra, here's, here's the deal. Uh, God is my judge. Janice seems to think that means uh, Elijah, whereas Adrian says it's Daniel. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Sandra, what say you? I'm going to go with Janice. Are you sure? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 
You remember the tricky part we were talking about yeah, earlier? Yeah, she's I feel very like tricky. We should revisit that part of the conversation. Uh, she th- she's throwing curveballs low and right, and you're not supposed to swing. But uh, okay, but don't fret. Daniel is the correct answer, and believe it or not, I don't say this publicly very often. I'm but waiting. Adrian was right. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, don't 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 don't, don't spread that around. Okay, we don't want his, that to go to his head. But let's go late. to the third question. See if we can't double your chances to win this week's prize. <laughs> We're going to go back to Janice this time. Janice, can you tell me, mm-hmm. what is the first line of the Apostles' Creed? Mm. The first line of the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, I somehow doubt Adrian knows this personally. Let's just, Adrian, <laughs> can you tell me? What is the first line of the Apostles' Creed? Who, whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. One more time. Want me to give it in Latin? <laughs> yes. Quocumque vos salus esse ante omnia opus es, et tenet catholicum fideum. Gesundheit. I'm sorry, what? Okay, so is that a Catholic apostle? Sandra, I, I don't want to repeat everything Adrian just said, but then there was a, there was Adrian's answer versus Janice's. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Who is right? Which one is the correct first line of the Apostles' Creed? Janice or Adrian? What say you, Sandra? Janice, I believe in God. Yes, of course. Congratulations, Sandra. You got it right. This time, Janice wasn't being tricky after all. Well done, Sandra. You're in for two. We're going to put you on hold, but God love you. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the uh, first, or yeah, for the radio side of our program. We are going to have an after show. It'll be a shorter one, about 15 minutes or so, but we'd love to have you hanging out with us, and maybe you can tell us whether or not you're in touch with your feelings and how you manage that process uh just hang out with us on one of our live video feeds grnonline.com forward slash cdt thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the After Show. First one in in over a week now. Or just a week. I guess it's been... Seven, Seven days, days. Exactly. exactly. So being, to the minute, being ambiguous as usual. Uh, praise be to God. Welcome back to the uh, after show. It's good to have you guys back. Uh, it's, we've kind of missed hanging out with you guys and chatting a little bit. And of course, it's Monday, which means Adrian sh- shuts down the show prematurely because he he secretly can't stand our show. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's true. It's little, I don't listen to it ever, ever, ever. And not even during the show. I actually uh, try to listen as little as possible. I don't know. Hey, I don't know what's up with that. Chris, I have no idea. Chris got my uh, got my reference. Good job, Chris. He said Saint Athanasius for the win. Yeah, for I was reading. Win. I was reading the Athanasian Creed, not the not the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, uh, so tricky. praise be to God. Tricky. That's good. 
Uh, I thought about giving the Nicene Creed, but I thought that would be too tricky. Way too yeah. tricky. That the nuance been... is like literally two words. Yes, that would have been, <laughs> been brutal. That would have been lack of charity right there. Uh, Jeff Burrier and the Burrier family, good morning to you. It's good to see you back. Praise be to God. Call in. Good morning. Burrier family, y'all called. Y'all were the second callers today, so uh, call back in tomorrow. Amen. Yeah, call in early. You can sit on hold. It's, it's an option. But not today. Option. You couldn't have. No, because the phone lines were... <laughs> Uh, no bueno. Uh, Christopher Velasquez, good morning. Jesus, good morning to you. Uh, Moreno over on the YouTube side. Uh, S. Franco, good morning. We are gr- grateful that you're on today. Clarissa, praise be to God. William Hemsworth, good to see you. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, let's see here. On Odyssey, our friend Mike, as usual, hanging out on Odyssey. It's good to see you, Mike. Thank you for hanging out with us. Praise be to God. Paul from uh, New York is hanging out with us on our website today. Praise be to Jesus. Who's on Facebook? Let's see. We have uh, Lori's on. She said, how about Ove? In terms Oy of, hey, put that on a button. <laughs> uh, Chris says, give it in Greek. Uh, let's yes. see. Don is on with us. Uh, Mary's on. Uh, let's see. Who else? Patty. Jesus Robles is on with us. Nicola. Um, let's see. Gloria is on. She's one that reminded me that it was Ember Days this week. So thank you very much, Gloria, for reminding me Ember Days this week. And Jesus Robles, he was having some event over the weekend. I saw it in Spanish, and I was like, um, yeah, you, I'm, you're fluent. I, I'm you're fluent. fluent. I got every word he said. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My mom was translating for me because I was sitting at the table with her. That's and she was, shameful, that's, and then, uh, and How then, could you not know? And then Jesus translated for me. How could you not know? How could your parents know and you don't know? Because uh, they didn't teach me. Did Did you take Spanish in school? Yeah, of course. And you don't know how? You the, the, the Have you seen the education system? I have you, there's a reason you homeschool your kids, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, very good. Okay, fine, okay. whatever. Buddy's on, Patty's on, and uh, I think that covers everybody. Praise be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. You guys do anything fun over the weekend? Let us know in the comment box. Uh, let's see here. What else is going on? Anything good? That was a good conversation with Bishop Pop Rocky. I thought so, too. I was also very impressed that he was uh, very, very... Um, like he didn't ask about, hey, what kind of questions are you gonna ask? Uh, I, I always ask, love that. Yeah, he didn't ask. Like, not only did he not ask for pre-record pre-questions ahead of time, yeah, but he didn't even ask like what kind of questions right. are we gonna ask? That's a really I common thing we that. get. I, I, so. Oh, I've interviewed literally. If I've interviewed a, a thousand people, I would say that's not an exaggeration. I probably interviewed way more than that, uh, and I've interviewed. Cardinals, uh, bishops. I interviewed Vigano once. I mean, I've interviewed a lot, a lot of people. And uh, usually, like when it comes to bishops, they are very careful. They they want to ask, you know, you have to pre-submit all the questions in advance, and they want to approve everything, and they don't want to deal with any sort of hot button issues. So I love it when bishops aren't afraid or priests aren't afraid of the questions they may get because life is complex mm-hmm. and uh and you know you can't always live at the mountaintop sometimes you got to get into the valley where the weeds are and uh, so i really appreciate his frankness his openness and uh and the good conversation the only thing i wish i had was more, more time, time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to ask some follow-up questions in regard to traditions custodis but i also wanted to jump into conversations about joe biden and his origins of life not talk and uh, cardinal uh gregory and his response i wanted to talk about vaccine mandates for parishes which is something we reported on in our first hour there is a, an archdiocese up in in uh canada that is now mandating vac- mm-hmm. double vaccinations in order to access the the mass yeah i didn't agree completely with everything that 
His Excellency was saying. Uh, but I did love the fact that he was so frank. I didn't think for a second that he was like, uh, like just like making something up or not uh, not being honest with us. I thought very, very. It seemed very honest and very clear what he believed, what he thought, and I really respect that. Um, even though there were some things that I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like when he was talking about how the Novus Ordo can be said in Latin, yes, that's technically true. And in our diocese in Galveston, Houston, there is a very, very reverent Latin Novus Ordo that's done like 99% of it's in Latin, and it's a wonderful liturgy. But like. That's the very, that's like a unicorn. It barely ever happens. And we've seen more often where priests will say the Latin Novus Ordo and get in trouble. <laughs> so it's like, I guess yeah. technically that's allowed, but practically speaking, yeah. it's not allowed. Yeah, in we did. I wanted places. to ask him about that too. Wasn't it, was it Puerto Rico or Co- Costa Rico? I thought it was Chile. I think it was in Costa Rica. I'll look it up while Costa you Rico. continue. Costa Rica. It's Costa Rica, not Costa Rico. What's wrong with me? Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, I asked that where question the pre- too. <laughs> There's a lot of people who ask that question. Uh, where that priest was removed uh, because he said the Novus Ordo in Latin. Hmm. You know, the other thing I wanted to, to talk to him about was how uh, I've I. It's been my experience that I've seen more unity. You're right, Costa Rica in in the TLM than I've seen in the Novus Ordo because of the diversity that we see in the, the Novus Ordo. Not only in the diversity of how the how the uh, the masses said. There's lots of diversity there, but just in the in like here in the South, if you're if you're from the South, one thing you'll see happen quite frequently is masses said partly in Spanish and partly in English, uh, but that is like as if the whole world is made up of only English or Spanish. It's not. It's made up of people from every race and every tongue, and the TLM binds all of those people together unifies those people together. That has been my experience, and I wanted him to comment on that. Didn't get a chance to do that. Uh, speaking of languages, Mike, our friend, Mike K, says, my parents are German immigrants and were not taught German. My dad always what? said, my dad always said, my dad always said, quote, I'm raising Americans, unquote. Amen. No, okay, I might have. It's a dynamic interpretation. Amen. <laughs> I, he said Americans. I said Americans. But... Um, you know, my wife, uh, her parents are immigrants. She is first-generation American, and she obviously spoke Portuguese when she was a little girl. She was that kind of girl that took the grandma around town to interpret for her. <laughs> but I, I've always wished my wife would have taught our kids to speak Portuguese um, as a part of not only their cultural background, but uh, also it's a very powerful thing to be uh uh, multilingual. I've always been somewhat jealous of Europeans in, in particular, but even many uh, parts of Africa and other parts of the world where they speak two, three, and more languages like everybody does. Not just some people, but most people speak multiple languages. And I've always felt like that is a very powerful thing. So, uh, even in St. Paul's time, I mean, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, Aramaic, these were things that were very common in society in those days. So uh, American culture is is somewhat lazy in that regard, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's accurate summation. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out in regards to the same topic is over the weekend. So this is uh, technically speaking, we're in Hispanic Heritage Month right now, and uh, and this is a uh, we've been ha- talking about this at home uh, quite a bit. And Disney put out a a, a thing real, uh, out saying Happy Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month. Latinx. Never forget the value of family time and remembering where you come from. And it's a picture of like you know, the Coco uh, movie with all their stuff. And I'm and I made the comment because people were asking me about it. I'm like, dude, like 
the people were tagging me in and saying, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, is it because because I'm Hispanic? <laughs> anyway, uh, I said, uh, imagine being so disconnected from your culture that you think Latinx or Latinx represents you, but the Crusaders, the Conquistadors, and Our Lady Guadalupe do not. Instead, the, the image that Disney is promoting represents a return to paganism co-opted by the leftist ideologies. Um, and that's really what it is, because like... The whole idea of Latinx is nonsensical. It doesn't even match with gendered languages and completely misunderstands what a gendered language is. Um, like this is like very, very fundamental to romance languages in general. Um, and not to mention that they promote this like neo paganism with their Dia de los Muertos and their version of it. And instead of, uh, having what is the, what is true Catholic culture, like Christopher Columbus, who was not Spanish, but he created Hispanics by bringing the Spanish to the Americas, uh, with, uh, Hernan Cortez coming to the Mexico with, uh, the Reconquista in Spain. All these things are part of Hispanic culture, but instead, my sister working at a school at a public school was like yeah so for hispanic heritage month they want to play they want to show the kids the movie selena it's like that's not even that's not hispanic culture she was jehovah witness for crying out loud and and also she was like yeah they're playing like despacito in the uh in the hallways between classes and i'm like this is not hispanic culture this is uh this modern paganization this is what they want hispanic culture to be yeah and it drives it drives me nuts the, it drives the me nuts. approved narrative right exactly yeah it's um it's a tragedy um i learned i taught myself to pray the rosary in portuguese so that portuguese could be said in our home more frequently um now we pray it in english mostly we've also prayed in latin too as a family but um my grand, my mother-in-law was very impressed that I learned to, I taught myself to pray the rosary, but then she corrected me <laughs> on all my pronunciations, which was kind of hilarious, but uh, praise be to God for it. We're, we have about, I don't know, four minutes or so left today. It's a shorter version of the after show because we have uh, Bree Dale's program at the top of the hour, and Adrian has to refocus his mind on uh, getting that show produced. He always gives her his best effort. Do you notice that? I'm just, hmm. She'd probably disagree with you. Hmm. <laughs> and anyway, you should check out Bree Dale at the top of the hour. Uh, she'll be live streaming on this channel as well. And uh, praise God for it. So coming up this week, uh, we have, coming up tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be a crazy show. Holy smokes. Timothy, oh, Timothy yeah. Gordon is going to be our guest in the first hour, as well as Christine Niles. I mean, like... If we're still employed by Wednesday, we're going to have Luke Sheehan. It's going to be lit. Uh, freedom of de uh, decentralization is going to be our con topic on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Joseph Pierce is going to be on to talk about uh, J.R. Tolkien, his Catholic faith. And why fantasy is bad. And why fantasy, Catholic fantasy is awesome. Right. And uh, and Adrian will be just be bent out of shape the whole time. But we'll, <laughs> we'll pray for him. It, it'll be all right. While at the same time, we are giving... So here's the deal. Uh, because you're the CDT Insiders, I will tell you guys. But don't tell anybody else I said this, okay? So this is an exclusive. So when Andy Serkis... You guys remember Andy Serkis, right? He's the actor who played uh, Captain Haddock. How many people have seen that? In... Uh, what is it? Uh, why am I forgetting Moby Dick? the Steven Spielberg version of of uh, of oh, Captain Haddock was Moby Dick? Of uh, why can't I remember it all of a sudden? Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. No, I, the audience is gonna know. They're gonna be like, "Oh, Joe, you're you're losing it." I, obviously, I need a nap. That's a different conversation. Uh, he played Captain Haddock, and um, he also played uh, uh, Snoke in uh, Star Wars, the episode number eighty-seven. I don't remember. And then, of course, he played Schmeagel 
in uh, Lord of the Rings and he and also in The Hobbit. Well, that actor has narrated The Fellowship of the Rings, and it's now out on audiobook, and it's quite good. He is incredibly talented as a voice actor. I mean, really talented. And of course, he's got that deep What's resonance in his voice. Andy Circus. Andy Circus. You know, so they've uh, it's out. It's available. You can audiobooks is the company that per- publishes it. You can get it on Amazon or wherever else. But they've given me four copies. Now, I reached out to them because I wanted to interview Andy himself. And they're like, uh, yeah, he's a busy guy. Probably won't be able to come. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Can we give out prizes instead? And they're like, sure. So they gave me four copies to give away. And uh, I'll be giving them away to the audience this week. Uh, So we're going to have a conversation with Joseph Pierce about whether or not the Catholic faith from Tolkien is really the fabric of Lord of the Rings, and are there differences between his version of fantasy and things like Harry Potter or other versions of fantasy, which is a very popular genre of writing, especially for middle readers. Um, So we're going to have a conversation with Joseph Pierce about that, while I'm also going to give away stuff. Talk about black elves. Uh, to 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 possibly win one of the four copies of the Andy Circus uh, audiobook, you're going to have to be on our email list, and you're going to have to be on our text blast list. So uh, that's the hint I'm giving you. I will give out more information tomorrow, but uh, praise be to God. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and get on the email list, and then uh, obviously sign up to our text blast list, but I'll send an email out with the info. That's going to do it. Praise be to God. It's going to be a great week. We're going to have some interesting conversation and topics coming up. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. Uh, Hit that like button on YouTube. That like button means probably more than the subscribe button these days. But the bell notification is also super important to us. We're live streaming on Odyssey because who knows how long we're going to be on YouTube anymore. And YouTube doesn't share us with anybody. So you sharing us helps us to overcome most of that. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then, be good. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Let's just not do it. Bree, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I'm hearing that as well. Wow. If you send me uh, Matt's information, I can send it, send him the stuff. No. Whoa. Pretty big news. Wow. So I, I haven't seen anything, so I'm learning it in real time with you. Yikes. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. So we got three minutes. Yikes. Wow. Wow. So just so y'all know, uh, the video, I have it loaded up and ready to go. The um, Once the show starts, I'm going to run to the restroom real quick. Uh, so don't ask me to do anything for a couple minutes. You'll see me when I come back in the, in the video feed, but, uh, I'll send you a message letting me know when I'm back, but there, just so you know, if I disappear.
That's right. Just so everyone hopefully knows. His, hopefully his audio is off. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to be uh like um uh, uh what's his name? Jeff Tubin. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen from the movie Naked Gun. That was a pretty funny scene as well. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put y'all on mute. We'll be live in uh, about a minute and 20 seconds. Thank you.